spot on there. Hi guys, it's Andy N. Thanks today for downloading or streaming yet another episode of Spoken Label. As you may or may not be aware, Spoken Label was started in the beginning of 2006. And currently we have well over 150 sessions recorded since then. Although you can find on various networks, the full archive is available for streaming and downloading at Spoken Label, full stop, bandcamp.com. It is a free download or free stream in there. But obviously, if you feel like chucking me a few pennies that way, it'd be eternally grateful to help me keep this podcast going and keep improving my equipment, etc. Enjoy. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Spoken Label. Hi guys, it's Andy N again, live from Spoken Label. Back over at N Studios tonight. And on Skype again, so now the poet I'm talking to tonight, I've just been chatting away before, and I reckon it was about probably about two just over two years ago, maybe three even, when I first met her. Now, lady in question, Sarah Pritchard. I know Sarah through her work over at Right Out Loud, which is run over at the Waterside Centre in Sale. I think I met her originally at a night on, um, I think it's called Out Loud it was, over in the, the village somewhere, just probably just before that. But Sarah's an increasingly, incredibly busy lady like I am, so. Now, Sarah, do you want to introduce yourself to everybody? Tell them who you are and where you come from and where all the, your creativity originally came from, and we'll start from there. Wow, that's a great question. Um, well, I have been an English and drama teacher for 30 years and I've spent uh, all of that time encouraging youngsters to write and be creative and express themselves through art forms. And I have quietly been doing it as well, although it's been a struggle <laughs> to keep up the energy and the, the pace while teaching as well. And uh, when I retired in 2015, I burst back onto the poetry scene. I had quietly been going and doing things, mainly in the early 90s, but then teaching kind of took over with my responsibilities. But I've, I'm back! Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, I thought, I thought it was about 2015 you said you retired. That's why. So, and I said you've been, I know you, you do a lot of readings, don't you? Certainly. So, I know you were at Sturd fairly recently, weren't you? And the first is Yes, and I, I, um, I mean, I was on the poetry scene in Manchester a lot in the 90s. And uh, some, of, some of the poems in my collection are from, from uh, my first publication by Common Word in a Beyond Paradise anthology, wow. which was poetry by lesbians and gay men in 1990. Good grief. I didn't think you were that old, actually. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> great. Oh, thank no, you. no, I, I know Common Word. Yeah, good grief. Yeah, because like I used to go to Hina on Friday night at the Rose and Swan at uh, the gig there with oh, uh, wow. the joint gig between Blue and Sturd with Anna Percy yeah. and Hina Patel. It was great. Yeah, that looks like they had a great lineup there. It is unfortunate we couldn't make it that one night. We were doing something else, so yeah, certainly had a great lineup there. That one, that's for sure. So, no, I said, but um, how did it feel then, obviously? coming back onto the poetry circuit in 2015 then after being absent for so long from it wow another great question um i wasn't completely absent in that i'd been going to writers groups but yes the the i couldn't get out as much as i wanted to i was really overwhelmed by how much there was going on yeah. how many more poets there were out there how many more open mic nights there were i mean it's absolutely incredible i think the 
the poetry available around Manchester and Greater Manchester. And, um, yeah, I couldn't wait to get stuck in. Oh, yeah, completely. Because I've been active one way or another myself for just about 12 years now. And it's like I've certainly noticed in the last five years the way it seems to have expanded the circuit around Manchester because there's so many good nights on nowadays there is. It's amazing. Yeah, it's I mean, I just can't get to enough of it. Yeah, it's just trying to get time, isn't it? Because... Um, some, mm-hmm. I think it was Fat Roland, if you know, you know, you know, you know him, over at Bad Language. He said something on the internet earlier in the year, was it last year, where he reckoned there was some like twenty-five to thirty nights going on monthly in the Manchester area. Would you believe in the Greater Manchester area? Yeah, in Tokyo, wouldn't surprise me. That wouldn't no. surprise. Well, me. Like I said, in your case, obviously, like we know, uh, I know for the past three years or so, you've been running right at Loud Sale, haven't you? So, now, how did how did this come yeah, about yes. for you then? How did you get involved in running right at Loud Sale? Well, that's an uh, an interesting one. I um, I had been going occasionally. I'd seen Sarah Dixon, who goes a lot, and I had taught her. Oh dear! <laughs> oh, wow! Oh wow! And um, also, uh, Char- I think Charmaine had done a, a gig there, and I was in a writers' group with her for years and years. And when Todd finished, Char got in touch with me and said they're looking for somebody to host Sail Out Loud, Sarah, and I think you should do it. And I thought, oh yeah, that would be interesting. And so I, I wrote to Julian of Write Out Loud, and you know, gave him a little uh, summary of what I'd been up to and my background. And uh, and myself and Mo Harrop at the time, who'd gone and done her first reading, said she'd like to support it to make sure it didn't stop. And then, hey presto, there were the two of us. Uh, we were we were asked if we would do it, so we did. And, and Mo co-hosted with me for about a year until she had other pressures that meant she couldn't really regularly do it, and I continued. Oh, brilliant! Now, also, like if anyone doesn't know it, obviously, tell tell do you want to tell everybody what the Waterside Centre is then, because obviously it's a lovely venue, and it's it's I, an amazing yeah. place, and I think people are quite um, surprised by it. I mean, it's next to the canal and sail. It's right across the road from the tram stop. It's next to a wonderful pub called the King's Arms. One of, <laughs> um, one of Manchester's greatest pubs. to the town hall. <laughs> and um, is it the King's Arms or the King's Head? I, I can never remember that. I could have got the King's. <laughs> anyway, it's a great pub. Yeah. We're both agreed. It's yeah. a great pub. Yeah. But um, Sail Waterside Arts Centre itself, it's not near Sail Water Park. Um, people often confuse that. It's next to the canal, dead in the centre of Sail. And it's a wonderful venue for theatre and arts, and it's got a gallery, and it's got a lovely bar and coffee shop, and that's where we do our night on the third Tuesdays of the month. So it's just a fantastically modern and open and friendly space. Yeah, no, I agree completely. It's also supportive as well. Definitely well worth your time going down there for that one. Now, and in the staff relation- are so supportive. Oh yeah, completely. I'm looking. Um, um, Time this goes live, unfortunately, it'll be after me and Amanda would have read there ourselves and joint set coming up shortly for it. And Amanda's never read there before, but I have it. I love that place. I love sale, mind you, so great area. Now, obviously, in relation to yourself, your poetry, then, um, all these, um, were you writing when you were much younger than were you originally, or was it older? Or did you just write in the 90s when obviously teaching took over and then you come back to it then? But were you writing back when you were like a, a wee lass, were you? Yeah, no, I've all I've always written and particularly been drawn to poems, and I think that is 
you know, I, I often ask guests how they came to poetry, and for me, it was something that my mother and my grandmother and my grandfather were really into. I know my grandfather wrote poems. Um, my grandmother recited poetry a lot, and so did my mother. And I was, I was one of the. I was in that generation where children often had to do party turns and party pieces and learn oh, wow. bits of poetry to recite. You know, long before. There was there was that much television, uh, and certainly no internet, and um, and I guess I just carried on from there. Really, I started to um, write my own, and I was always encouraging students at school to write, and I would model writing my own. I would never hold back from showing them that I would experiment oh, and, and write as well. And so, oh, it's. It's been a constant, definitely. I think it does when it, when you're doing something like poetry like that. Once it gets into your system, it might things might expand and take off like to running nights and, in my case, doing podcast series. But it's always the fact like it does it does take over your life, doesn't it? And that, that's what I've yes. heard happened to yourself because I know obviously like you bought a yes. book, you bought your debut collection out last year, didn't you? When women fly yes. the seven ages of mad woman. Now that is an absolutely fantastic title straight away. So, where did the title come from, first of all? <laughs> You're asking such great questions, Andy. Well, um, the publishing company uh, Hidden Voice Publishing <coughs> was started by a friend of mine called, called Joel Fadler Puckering, and um, he had, he was targeting uh, marginalised poets and voices. Oh, um, right, yeah. Um, so he he had put out three um, poetry books, and he and he kept nagging me and saying, "I want I want to put out one of your work," and I was just distracted and doing lots of other things. And he just kept pressing me, and I finally said, "Yes, okay, I'll do it." Ah, <laughs> and brilliant! I um, I thought, well. Um, what am I going to do? And I, I looked back at uh, the body of my work and I thought, you know, I really want to put in stuff that I've had published and see it in one place. And then when I went through it and I decided there were other things I really wanted to put with them and it started to form a sort of sequence. And I love writing sequences because the year before I had got published by um, Local Gems Press after the one of the Napo Rimo oh, yeah, competitions yeah, yeah. they oh, did. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And I'd, got, I'd, I'd written 30 poems in 30 days called After the Flood, which they published. And that was a sequence on the 1953 flood in East Anglia. And so I loved that idea of sequencing. And as a drama specialist, that was important to me that it told some kind of a story that they were standalone but they also worked as a sequence and um, as I started to put them together I started to realize there were an awful lot of poems about how women can be marginalized and how they can often be in a damned if you do damned if you don't situation um, politically and personally and so it started it formed then that this I, I got this idea of the seven ages of a mad woman um, because obviously looking back at 30 plus years of writing I had work that I'd written when I was quite young and I had work that I'd written all through my career and I have work that I've written quite recently as an older woman so that's basically what it then fell into these these seven seven stages and i i found which obviously i was uh, as an english teacher i was also nodding to that man shakespeare and um 
So I, I stole his idea of the uh, the antithesis of putting uh, putting uh, two things together and making a third meaning. And I uh, so and like the wise fool, for instance, I ended up with with seven of my own that I came up with that wow. really strung the the sequence together. So I have seven sections in it, and each of them have a little subtitle. Wow! No, brilliant. So, like I said, it's like people are wondering. Goes like I said, it is your life's work. This book really isn't it. So, but well, it sounds like it. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't fit. It, yes and no, I guess is the answer to that. I mean, it's not all about me, but a lot of them obviously are fed from my experiences. A lot of a lot of the poems in it. But yes, because I was asked in such a in such a personal way to do it, I made it personal and I made it something that I would be proud of. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I had, you know, I had, I had the privilege of doing of doing something with somebody I really respect, who um, nurtured me and gave me permission to to really do something that would mean something to me. Oh, fantastic, fantastic! Now, obviously, as well, I know. Obviously, we when we were talking before we start recording, I know you've also been doing some editing for the same publishing firm company, haven't you? When you did the Hidden yes, Voices well, Publishing Anthology One. Did that come before your collection, or was it just after? No, that came afterwards. After um, when Winfrey came out, um, Joel and I had often done um, a night of poetry before Pride, which celebrated LGBT plus and friends voices. And um, so we, we've done about three of those gigs now, and he really wanted to to step it up and do a bigger one. So we hired a room upstairs, the upper room in the Royal Exchange, and we decided we were going to use it also to launch the first anthology of um, Hidden Voice. That's what he wanted to do. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. And he's um, he's a head of English at a certain school somewhere in Greater Manchester. Yeah, which we won't so name, of course, right, yeah. the editing um, because, of, you know, he's, he's, I have been a teacher and I know it's, you know, it just takes over your life. And so, obviously, he gave the nod to things, but I did all the work of inviting people in and he you know, gave the nod to things that I selected out and people sent things in and, uh, yep, that's how it happened. Oh, brilliant. No, and brilliant. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Do you have any ideas what, well, where would you like to go next with your creativity then? Is there anything you've got in mind or? Well, hopefully, um, Joel and I will continue to do more anthologies and with my own writing I would say I've got at least three if not four chapbooks with wow. poetry wow. Um, one of which was, was called um, Pre-Loved Archaeology of an Aunt and that was highly commended by Blue Nib last year um, but yeah lots of things looking for pub to, to be published I'm working on uh, another sequence at the moment and um, so I've never short of ideas and now I've just kind of I get really hungry to have the space to just discipline myself and sit down and get it done and yeah. sent off you know what that's like oh, don't you <laughs> yeah, join the club challenge you well, in my case is trying to get sit down to get stuff done after damn so, yeah like I got the dreaded day job and and then on top of it I'm doing podcasting all the time doing music Running poetry nights um, and occasionally writing. Yeah, yeah so. your energy is amazing, Andy. You I, do so much. I tire myself out, to honest you. But it's, it's funny because um, I was talking to my brother, brother about this the other day. My brother said that to me. Where do I get all the energy from? Because my brother's like mm -hmm. he's in a day job like me, and 
and I know he's come, he just goes home from work and his team collapses, <laughs> he's shattered out, and he doesn't know where I get the energy from, but it's just the way it goes, isn't it? Because I think when you're creative, you feel like you've got, you've got to get as much done as you can sometimes, I think. While you, you're, yeah, you're, so you're you only feel got one like life. it actually gives you more energy. Yeah, it does. It does like it. As, um, it's very rare for me because I like, certainly, I, I come home and I want, and I want I nothing to do. I've always got something I want to do. And you're, you're the same, yeah. aren't you? Like, it's wherever you are, there's something it's on wonderful. every day. Never, yeah. never a dull moment. Oh, God, yeah, completely. And I come back from the gigs and the sale out loud, and I, I, you know, I'm buzzing. Oh, yeah, you will be. And I meet so many wonderful people. I mean, it's a it's a real um, camaraderie, isn't it? I mean, oh, I, yeah. I feel like I can go into any poetry gig anywhere full of people or poets I don't know, and before long, you know, there's just a link, isn't there? There's yeah, a, yeah, completely. You do something wonderful, a bond. Yeah, I think it's a harmony between us people in general yeah, that one certainly side things um i said to you where's the favorite you've read so far poetry wise and have you read much much beyond manchester of yet or have i read much outside yeah, of manchester yeah what's the favorite? yeah the favorite that you've read that question yeah um, yeah sorry yeah. I, yeah i try and i try and read wherever i go if i go um abroad to visit friends i try and read oh, there wow. so i've read in madrid Oh, fantastic. I've read in uh, North Carolina, I've read in Louisville, Kentucky, and in San Francisco. Um, yeah, just I just um, offer myself up <laughs> in a kind of poetry slut way wherever I go, and I'm I'm you know, proud to do it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, how do you feel then when you're reading in other countries then? Because I've, I've done Southern Ireland, I've done Wales about as far as I've gone. But like, it's how how do you feel when you're reading other countries? Do you do you feel like your poetry goes down it goes down well in different ways or unexpected ways yes. sometimes? Yeah, no, that's that's it's great, very very differently. I mean, when I was in in Madrid, it was a bilingual event, and um, I think the, the Brits and the bilingual people got a lot more out of it. But and, and there they start so late at night. We didn't go on till eleven at night, and I think I performed at one in the morning. <laughs> oh, good grief! That's and, early. Uh, that's a bit early. Yeah. That's a, that's a bit late yeah. for me, that one. Wow. But it's all it's all brilliant. It's and you know, it's just like I said, it's just an instant kind of there's an instant commonality there, you know, that I yeah. I think is uh, it it's like we have uh, an invisible membership card somehow. Yeah, yeah, no, okay. I agree with you completely on it. It is an amazing film. And like if anyone gonna get some of your poetry, any kind of poetry, I recommend just go out doing it here and everywhere basically. Yeah. Enjoy it because you do yeah. you come up with a massive buzz no matter what you do. So Yeah, and people are always appreciative and you know, I get ideas from them and you just meet lovely people. Oh yeah, completely I agree with you completely on that one. Now, if people want to find out more about you, Sarah Oh, Sarah, so I'm going to mix up names next up here tonight. <laughs> yeah, no, no, the common, um, common mix-up. Yeah, well, where can people go to find more art about you, Sarah? Then? They can find me on, as a poet, Facebook as The English Alien or English Alien. Oh, I can ask you about that. Why the English alien? So I'm and glad, there is a story behind that. <laughs> I'm glad you reminded me then, because that well, was one thing I forgot to ask you about. <laughs> Yes, I'm half American, and the story behind that is simply, I think I was in San Francisco, staying with a friend, performing there, and talking about wanting to do, um, not necessarily a website, but something at least on Facebook, and we were talking about the fact that I grew up in the States, but I was born in England, and um, because I'm a, a USAF baby, a military baby, I've, my family have gone back and forth quite a lot, so 
were neither one nor the other. And I, after 21, I tried to reclaim my American citizenship um, with, with some fantasies about doing some, some touring there um, of travel, not necessarily poetry. But it all backfired, Andy. And oh, yeah. out of that came... <laughs> I still remain an alien one in both places to some degree, but I'm a British citizen, but I'm definitely an alien when I'm over in the States. So out of that, <laughs> we, we made the name English Alien. <laughs> oh, right, explains why. Oh, yeah, it's, it's got to be done. It's got to be done, definitely. So that explains why. Oh, cool. Now... That's all my questions today, Sarah, to be honest with you. So what we're going to do is... Great, they've been well, really good questions. Yeah. Well, thank you for that today, Sarah. I've been really enjoyed that. So now what I'm going to do now is, as I always do with Spoken Label, we'll pause the recording, let you get your chance to get yourself organised now to do a few poems for us, and mm -hmm. we'll be back in two minutes. So thank you again, Sarah. Okay. Hang around, everybody. Okay. Hi, guys. Oh, Andy's still here with Sarah. So straight over to Sarah, and she's going to do four poems for us. Over to you, Sarah. Okay, by way of an introduction, I am going to say a little bit about myself, which is that I am a little old bastard love child from everywhere, a military <laughs> baby outside of marriage, given up for adoption, got back, adopted by my stepfather, only child to continue in his name. I've always been the daughter of a witch and a bitch and a whore, damned by did and damned by didn't, so I did fly in the face of patriarchy and hypocrisy and divide and rule school for fools, sexism, homophobia, xenophobic unloves. Calling me a weird sister, I'll take it, because I am the child of domestic violence, waving the flag of peace at the tank of Mr. Big, saying, it's me, daddy, it's me, and hoping for a Star Wars bar of diversity without the wars. Let us put our wings together and flock and rock this little blue dot in a circle of our wings back to the shine of shades and green and peaceful times. Let us sing from the same heretic hymn sheet, See Us Fly. Fantastic. Great, great start. I want to say, what's our first piece called? Well, it's actually called When Women Fly. Ah! It's the forward. It's a bit of the forward from the poetry uh, collection. Brilliant! No, re really vivid, excellent stuff. Because I like to write forwards in poetry as well. Yeah, yeah, it's a good idea. Good idea. I do afterwards normally, so when I do them, so <laughs> I like it. Great stuff. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm backwards, that's why. So, <laughs> okay, onwards back to you then. What's your second piece? Okay, I'm going to, um, as I said, it was written in seven sections, and the first section is called, um, won't be surprised to hear, Bastard Love Child, and then the second section is called um, Daddy's Minx Girl, and so I'm going to read something from that section called Not a Girl Yet. I swing backwards off metal railings by the back of my knees, head inches above the concrete and roller skate or go-kart down a car-lined hill and make for a gap in the corner or scooter after my mother's beetle away from the au pair on the base who couldn't stop me from playing with matches or take on the bully who ran me over with his blue bike or bite the backs of other boys I don't like the look of or swim to the raft in the lake with snakes underneath and try to rock everyone else off 
or dive off the highest diving board because my cousin was too scared to. And I climb and climb and climb to the tops of trees and rooftops and rocky lookouts. And now my hips are exploding and my chest is bursting. And my father says, I'm sitting on a gold mine. And there are girls who are not boys anymore who wear shirts all summer and have come down from the trees and away from me and the other boys and sit in shadows glowering at a distance and read books and books and books, whole collections of pages with no pictures. And I know that I am not a girl yet because I can still feel my eyeball rolling across the words heavily and I still can't reach for the end of the story because my pockets are full of swapsies and better things to do. And Patty says, there are arrowheads down by the bullfrog pond where we found the neat rabbit skeleton hanging in the bush upside down. So I guess Patty's not a girl yet either. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, excellent stuff. Again, yeah, I got the I like the bit like Paddy's not a girl yet at the end of it. Great stuff. Yeah, and that that's something I um you know I was a reluctant reader when I <laughs> used to tell students that they couldn't believe it, but I, I really didn't like reading and certainly didn't read a, a full novel until quite late. Friends around me were reading the whole of Agatha Christie and this, that, and the other, and I was still going, "Ooh, it's got no pictures in it." <laughs> I'm still like that now, so <laughs> great stuff. Well, it is, I mean, you know, I would say now it's very stereotypically a boyish thing, and I really related to that. Yeah, yeah, no, great, no, really excellent stuff. That okay. What's your third piece? Then? Um, my third one is a bit shorter. You might be glad to know, <laughs> and um, it comes from a section called Nubile Lezzy. Uh, again, an, an antithesis there about being. Um, you know, seen as something that's young and sexy, and at the same time, ooh, a bit of a marginalised person. Okay, it's called Guitar Woman. You sent me to learn the guitar, because I was the son you didn't have, to copy my grandfather's way. And I played it until I let it go, rebelling the wrong way round. But the woman playing a guitar still struck chords in me that resounded me into a first kiss with another woman who said we stood with our arms like we were playing guitars the metronome is ticking right now counting me down three two one how many more heartbeats before i pick up the woman-shaped instrument to make music again oh excellent excellent Speaking as a man that can't play guitar to save his life, but I do like, do love the instrument. <laughs> I, I relate it to that. Great stuff. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, uh, what's your concluding piece? My concluding piece. I mean, I've really um, done a section that I do. I do perform, um, and I like to um, finish with a bit of a, a rebel rousing piece. And it, it doesn't come from later on in the sequences but it's something I often get asked to read for pride and it's about um, a meme that people will often see in Facebook and have seen around quite a lot and you'll recognize it when I start to say it and I, and I actually wrote this poem years ago because my mother said it to me and it really hurt. Yeah. So 
this is my response to her and anybody who says this, which you'll recognize. It's called Fragile Freedom. Why do you have to ram it down our throats? Why isn't there a straight pride? Yes, at times my pride gets a little frayed around the edges, frankly. Another gay marriage debate headline. Another debate about is it okay to teach it in school or not. I have managed to avoid children and marriage, but not the pain of a gay divorce. I have had my own wet dreams of, a, of an LGBT-friendly eco-pod on sea. I who hold dear this delicate, finely tuned, endangered species called freedom. Why do you have to ram it down our throats? Why isn't there a straight pride? Yes, I can do internalized homophobia too. I can laugh at the feathers and leathers, the queens, the quins, the sequins, the sisters of indulgence and wimples and beards, the bears, the all superpowered, all singing, all dancing dares. And then I remember your message from Moscow about being chased by hunters, how they haunted, held you, raped you, and left their trademark hate mark on your skin with a knife. And I look again at this precious, finely named, finely tuned, endangered species, this fragile freedom that you don't have. But why do you have to ram it down our throats all the time? Why isn't there a straight pride? Yep, I can do that kind of homophobia inside out all too well. I can cringe at the merry-go-round of gay life, the shame grass from the L word, the shrinking pool of others my age, the, ooh, do you think they'll last long? I'm not sure they will. And then I get your email, needing some support while torn away from your family and motherland and children. You're seeking asylum here and you need pictures of our march with my dog and the gay flag at Pride to prove how gay you are to the Home Office. And I look again at this precious, finely tuned, endangered species called Freedom, and I take up my tattered Pride flag and I fly it as high as I can. Brilliant. That's a great way of finishing it. They'll set off that no one. Straight away, Sarah. It gives it, it says a lot more about you than in like a more in a logical way for me. We have pieces of brilliant stuff. Really enjoyed tonight. Thank you thank again you. for that. Hang around, I need a quick wordy off mic. But thank you again. Okay. For an excellent session tonight. I've really enjoyed it. So Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. I've, I've enjoyed it too. I'll speak to you all soon, guys. Thanks again. Take care. Bye bye. Spoken Thanks again for listening to another session. Spoken Label. Our full archive can be found over on Bandcamp at Spoken Label. That's one word. Spoken Label. Full stop. Bandcamp.com. And there is over 150 sessions there. So I'm sure that if you've enjoyed this session, there'll be something else there you can enjoy as well. Take care. Bye bye. Spoken Label.